Hello, and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And this week, we're going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 4, Pulse. Yes. So one thing I noticed, you know, because I've also been rewatching Season 4 with someone else lately, because I, I rewatched the show too much, <laughs> um, is that Season 4 is really, really dense. Oh, yeah. It's like the, the content of Season 4 is just like, it, it starts out with a pretty good amount of setup. And then once you get into into Pulse, everything is just like so much is getting crammed into every episode so many like little wrinkles and little pieces of foreshadowing and and character development it's it's they're very dense little nuggets of content and uh we've got a pretty exciting one this week so like when you compare it to season two uh slash three the early bits of that season are pretty sparse and kind of fillery you know, you got things like Signal and whatnot in the early parts of that season, whereas the second half that makes up season three is way more focused and condensed. Um, this starts off on kind of shaky ground with the coronation, but almost immediately it just hits the ground running and doesn't stop until the finale. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's like they they put. I think the I think the thing is right with with season four is they introduce a lot of concepts that are very radically changing the way the game is being played, um, and it's all changing quickly enough that they just don't really have uh, the the space that would allow for like slower paced episodes like that. So let's go ahead and jump right into the episode proper here. Cold open. Uh, we've got. Shira, Bo, and Spinnerella and Natasa, who make their first appearance for a while, um, popping up to take down a horde convoy that is supposedly carrying some kind of weapon. They uh, they dispatch the truck with with uh, the greatest of ease, but turns out it was a trap, and they get ambushed by horde bots. Yes, it turns out there's nothing inside, but their their scouts said there was going to be the new weapon being transported. So, uh, as it turns out, the Alliance is just not remotely prepared for any amount of espionage, which is like, like they've never had to deal with it before. You know, the Princess Alliance is generally too nice and trusting to engage in that kind of, like, subterfuge. I mean, they don't even have prisons or anything like that. Like, there just, just isn't a concept that they would want to use. And Hordak is just too dumb to actually ever think of that on his own. Hordak employs pretty much nothing but sheer brute force and territorial control. There's not an ounce of nuance in his war plan. Um, Katra, meanwhile, is all about uh, espionage. Now, the the the, per- the one person who might who actually does engage in a little bit of espionage would probably be Shadow Weaver, except that all of her espionage is usually centered around her own personal gain. Yeah, and also her own personnel. Even like a lot of her espionage was limited, like, like it was focused on like keeping tabs on Katra and like stuff that Adora is doing. And it's like, it's like, I guess lady, you can, you, you have clairvoyance. You can go see whatever you want with your little, your little Harry Potter dish. You can literally send shadow spies places. They're called shadow spies. And yet they're only ever deployed once to spy on Adora. Yeah. Like I feel like she uses those shadow spies to like to spy on, like a Hordak more often than she uses on anybody else. Like (laughs) she was, you know, honestly as like a second in command slash spy master, she was kind of really bad at her job. Yeah. uh, You kind of get that impression. Um, I I guess you you can only expect so much from someone who is so self-driven and ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. This it's, it's true. Um, also in this scene, we actually get, uh, this scene and the following scene in the, uh, in the Alliance camp, uh, we actually see a few other, 
Alliance soldiers, which is pretty cool. Like, we actually get um, some, like, other people that aren't just either, like, the main cast or, like, Bright Moon soldiers. Like, we have some um, some deer people, like, from that uh, that first town from season one. So that's pretty cool. I like to see that. The big red lady who pops up a lot in backgrounds. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. I like to I like to see that. Um, and uh, after that, so they do end up in the in the aforementioned alliance camp after the uh, the opening here, where everyone's kind of licking their wounds. Um, Adora somehow manages to snap one of Bo's arrows clean in half while trying to affix an arrowhead to it. I don't really know how she managed to do that, but... She's strong. Uh, we also see uh, uh, Spinnerella bandaging Natasha's arm. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone is just real scorched up. And Glimmer comes in and is, is very much... Uh, she's getting really frustrated with this because apparently this this does just keep happening ambushes have become a regular occurrence and she's getting really worried about her friends she is like it it feels like every single time that she sends her friends out on missions they keep getting ambushed or there's they're always one step ahead or they can't get to whatever their their goal is and it's getting really frustrating and of course everyone's just just trying to keep high spirits as best they can but you know glimmer is glimmer is having a bad time of it as queen right now yeah um swift wind arrives in <laughs> a, a graceful manner to uh a to, very graceful manner he, he just kind of tears the tent open <laughs> there's a very funny pause when you know glimmer snaps him no one said swift no one called for you swift wind no one said swift wind and he says well but he just did this <laughs> is like a anyway <laughs> He does that anyway. Uh, and eh, Swift one's pretty good. So apparently they're, you know, they, they have received reports that they have deployed the weapon at, a, at another time. And uh, I think everyone decides, all right, well, we need to dispatch a smaller squad this time to reduce the risk of getting ambushed. And of course, who hears all of this but the, the, the young new recruit Flutterina. Yes, and Flutterina is like, you know what? I'll, I'll uh, next time, next time I'll be ready. I'm here, Rebellion Soldier, Flutterina at your service. And of course, uh, Double Trouble is just <laughs> just immediately runs off to go uh, talk to Catcher off in the other part of the woods somewhere. Uh, it's <laughs> they're great. I I really enjoy uh, the Double Trouble content in this episode. Like it's it's very peak. Yep, uh, they're they're in peak theatrics mode. You know, they're talking about Flutterina's character concept, in you know, sort of tossing themselves onto the hoods of cars, just for no real reason at all. Oh yeah, no, they are chewing the scenery the whole episode, and uh, I mean, of course they are. They just they. They they are a being that craves an infinite amount of attention, and you know, don't we all? Yeah, and you know, Catcher says, you know, this isn't supposed to be fun. This is war, and Double Triple says, well, why can't it be both? Yeah, uh, I I they're they're really good. They're just they're very like they're so jokered. They like definitionally so jokered. Yeah, they are just they are genuinely just here for a laugh. They are just here for a laugh and catch and to get paid and to get paid, of course. Gotta gotta be on that grind. Uh, but Catra's uh, not really having any of it. She is trying to be all business. She uh, she's she's still trying to to keep all of those uh, worldly attachments as far away from her as possible. Obviously, for no reason. Don't worry about it. Uh huh. So uh, everyone leaves on a mission. Glimmer, of course. Watches them leave very sadly, very melancholy-like. Um, and she just decides, well, you know what? I need, I need to get my spirits up. I'm just going to go ham in the courtyard and, and just blast some stuff with magic real quick. Yeah, but as it turns out, uh, Shadow Weaver was watching. And so she's like, oh, you're doing really good. You're very powerful, you know. And so Glimmer pops over and she's kind of tending to her evil garden in the uh in the greenhouse which is <laughs> it's so funny she has an evil garden so she 
is he's not technically a prisoner anymore. She can go anywhere she wants with a guard escort. But they gave her a garden, fixed her mask, presumably gave her more couches. Yeah, she's probably got her own bedroom at this point. Like, she is she is a prisoner in name only. Yeah. And, you know, that, and she is, of course, trying to worm her way into Glimmer's good graces, seeing just how powerful she is. You know, obviously getting the read on Glimmer that she is frustrated, being the, the kind of commander, trying to be the commander that her mom was. You know, someone who looks on from afar, who, who sends people on missions, you know, not knowing whether they'll succeed or fail. And... Shadow Weaver's kind of trying to get into her head, but at first it seems like Glimmer rejects her her advice. Smartly. Yes, it's it's like the way that Shadow Weaver manipulates is so like she's so calculating and so fast at it too. Like she just gets a cold read on you basically immediately, and then just starts just trying everything. She she takes a very small hammer and a chisel and just starts going ham on whatever she can find in in your brain like like she starts uh she starts off with like oh you could be so powerful and that doesn't really work and she starts going after the like the legacy angle and then she starts going after the you're not like your mom angle and it's just like every single time something doesn't work she just instantly pivots to the next thing it is so conniving and uh, it, Shadow Weaver is the worst person in the world, but is like watching her work and uh, weave her her little plans is it's it's quite a lot. These are all of the patterns that Adora knows to recognize, and you know is able to kind of reject and and kind of make Shadow Weaver talk a bit straighter, right? As we saw in uh, the Price of Power and some of the other episodes, exactly. Glimmer has no such experience and thus can't really recognize what's going on exactly this is kind of the issue is that glimmer is so she at first can tell she's being manipulated like she is able to to tell because shadow weaver's being really really overt in this first encounter like she she puts a rose in her hair and does like this a really exaggerated like face and like chin touch kind of situation like it's it's so over the top you almost get the impression that it was intentionally like it was it was kind of like an intentional overplay like to the to the idea that like she wanted to appear more manipulative than she was actually trying to be so that later when she pulls the i'm being genuine card it seems more plausible layers she's got too many layers <laughs> way too many layers this lady this lady is like is like one of those croissant donuts they look like they'd be great but there's just too many dang layers cronuts so this is when we kind of cut to the squad they are they are in the forest trying to figure out what this weapon is and Spinnerella and Atasa have this thing uh, throughout the, the it's kind of thread through the episode where Natasha's being super competitive with Spinnerella, who is just seemingly not having any of it and is just kind of exasperated with her wife's antics. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. So they are intensely competitive, or at the very least, it appears Natasha is. She is like she is constantly trying to dunk on her wife, like talking about how many more bots that she's she's killed. And Spinnerella, of course, is like it's not about how many how many bots you kill, and just you, know, you need to be more careful and all and all this stuff. And and there's actually there's a really good line um, right in the middle of the episode where Spinnerella's like, and this is why nobody comes over to game night anymore. And you know what? I bet game night with Natasha would be a nightmare can you imagine playing monopoly with this lady no no there would be blood there would be it it flipped tables just it would be chaos no natasa i've seen natasa's type before they're not fun to pay play competitive games with not at all i feel like i feel like a game of uno where these two were were participating would just would end in tears 
there'd be at least one broken arm. She would manage to get heated over like Catan or <laughs> something. I listen. That's that's normal. I have never played a game of Catan where someone hasn't gotten heated. <laughs> so this is all leading into another ambush. Of course, uh, they 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 get attacked by some bots. Easily dispatch them, but that is when a new bot kind of wanders out and drills itself in to just kind of stabilize itself in the ground. Yeah, and then Bo at first is like, oh, maybe this is like a surveillance bot. It's not really doing anything. And to his credit, it has like this big lens on it and then this little like red like led indicator next to it that kind of makes it look like it'd be a big camera. I mean... Yeah, there's no indication of what it actually does which is uh nukes things yeah it's kind of a gigantic nuke and it just it just goes off so this is the pulse bot uh welcome to the welcome to the show it's the pulse bot show um they're really 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 good at really messing stuff up in fact like it goes off and then like like an entire half mile radius around them is completely charred and destroyed adora wakes up like she can barely see and her ears are ringing there's just ash flying like into her face everybody's knocked out like natasa managed to get everybody um or most of everybody under a shield didn't get Bo, notably who is really really dead right now yeah like it looks like a scene on the saving private ryan or something yeah like the the devastation the ear ringing (laughs) um (laughs) like Bo took the full brunt of that and he is not in a good way no he has to get transported back to bright moon and get the she-ra heal and even after all of that He's still not really ready for duty. He's still in a quite a bit of pain, seemingly. Yeah, no. And like to be clear, they don't like obviously this is this is like a like a Y fourteen show, so they can't really do a lot of blood and in, in, in that kind of stuff. So he's mostly just got some like cosmetic scratches and scuffs here and there, but he's not breathing. He's like he's he is uh he's a bit of a plank so uh so yeah no he he is completely unresponsive until uh he gets brought back to bright moon and adora does her fun healing magic on him and kind of kind of brings him back so (laughs) glimmer is understandably very very upset by this yeah she's she's taking it you know very personally all of these ambushes that keep endangering her friends um and no one no one is having a good time the uh the general is here, and she suggests that maybe the horde is tracking Shira to to sort of set up these ambushes, and and kind of coordinate around uh, rebellion like movements, which they all seem to buy. But of course, we see that the general was actually double trouble, who was throwing everyone off of their scent. Yeah, no, is extremely like a huge lie, but. I mean, the thing is, okay, so, like, this, it's a really, it's a great move on their part, because this is a totally unbelievable concept, right? Like, how would they be tracking Shira? Like, for for what purpose would they be tracking Shira specifically? Like, how would they manage to do it? It's not like Entrapta is there to give them First One's abilities anymore, but... Well, there's, they don't know that Entrapta's not there. That's the thing. Okay, that that is true. They don't have any intel about what's going on over there. That is true. Okay, so they don't know that. So it's possible Entrapta could could be doing some stuff. Um, but but the, the thing is, the this lie is, like, perfectly crafted to really get into glimmer and adora's heads specifically because of course adora is just so willing to believe that everything is her fault at any given time i mean honestly like adora might be the most easily manipulatable person on this entire program like maybe shadow weaver can't necessarily get into her head quite as easily as like katra but like all you really got to do is make Adora feel like something is her fault. And most of the time um, you can get her to do just about anything you want. Yeah. So after that, I believe we get the double triple report in scene, which is just sublime. Uh, 
it's sublime. It's mwah, chef's kiss of a scene. Wonderful. So you get a uh, double trouble FaceTiming catcher on their horde iPads and uh it's like they're they're really hamming it up they're playing they're they're replaying uh their sort of abridged version of the scene of bow getting exploded and <laughs> they're they're getting into into like satire character of all three of uh the the best friend squad and it's like it's like with bow it's like oh they got me right in the abs the most vulnerable part of the body I refuse to cover because I don't own real shirts. Yeah, they're just roasting everybody. Catra's, you know, she she seems to not really be appreciating it until Double Trouble makes a silly face with <laughs> She-Ra. She loves that. Yeah, they literally just go, oh, I'm She-Ra. And, like, Catra loses her shit at that. It's really, really funny, actually. Yeah, so obviously th- this season loves dramatic irony and characters knowing things that other characters don't because both sides are of course under the impression that entrapta is working for the other one the, the rebellion still thinks she's with the horde hordak thinks she's with the rebellion the only person who knows everything that's going on is katra who is is kind of pulling the strings of this whole season from the shadows with double trouble's assistance Yes, that's true. However, it doesn't stay that way. No, we'll we'll get to that. But uh, there is this this report in scene. I really couldn't help but feel a powerful talking your ex energy from Katra here. Oh yeah, like extremely. This is this is like the classic thing, right? Is like after you get to the point where you basically like mentally moved past them at least a little bit like obviously she hasn't moved that far past but like she's she's moved past just enough that she's like you know she's joking around about how dumb and stupid she is and stuff like that so (laughs) yeah this is definitely making fun of your ex territory so uh after after that healing scene uh adora decides she's gonna go out and destroy that bot to avenge Bo. And Glimmer also goes off to do something, and we see what she has gone off to do is uh, talk to Shadow Weaver. Yes, so when I said just a moment ago that it doesn't stay that way, the reason it doesn't stay that way is because Glimmer decides to seek help from Shadow Weaver. She she shows up to the the garden, and she... uh, she demands, she starts out by asking, but then she demands that Shadow Weaver help her. And Shadow Weaver, now she has an in, because Glimmer is desperate. She saw Bo basically dead, or at least really close to it. And she knows that this is only going to get worse and worse and worse. So her thing is, she goes to Shadow Weaver, she's like, okay, you need to teach me how to think like Katra. You taught her. You know, what do I need to do to be able to be one step ahead of her? And Shadow Weaver's like, oh, don't even worry about it. You don't need to think like Katra. And she says this with, with a lot of venom in her voice, by the way. Um, she's like, no, no, no. You are the most powerful sorceress on this planet right now. And you can go and just take care of this on your own, provided, of course, you let me show you how to unleash that power yeah so turns out shadow weaver's garden is actually basically an apothecary she is growing all of the ingredients she needs for spells here in bright moon yes except for one thing which uh, glimmer asks about which is uh, and this is probably one of my top 10 favorite lines in the whole show actually is glimmer's like Oh, what do those do? And she points to a bunch of daisies, and Shadow Weaver's just like, "Oh, those are daisies. I just find them cheerful." Yeah, she's, they they provide a bit of color for the uh, for the garden. So, Shadow Weaver shows Glimmer how to cast that scrying spell, and just like she was with Micah back in uh, Light Spinner, she is very much guiding 
Glimmer through literal physical guidance. She is like tracing. She's got Glimmer's hand and she is helping her trace the glyphs. She is like right up on her, like clinging to her like a shadow. Exactly. She she is. That's like she is shadowing Glimmer here, but she she is taking Glimmer through the motions. It's this very, very like heavy-handed visual metaphor for how Shadow Weaver is now on Glimmer. She is manipulating Glimmer. She is puppeting her at this point, or she is just about to start doing it, and it is you know, it's it's the show's got visuals in it. Yeah, so Shadow Weaver says, you know, they, they see Catra sending out these pulse spots, and Glimmer realizes that she sent Adora into another ambush. Clearly now they're they're absolutely tracking She-Ra. If Ador- if if Catra knows where Adora and them are, they must be, right? So yeah, she has to go like, well, I have to go and warn them and like redirect them. But what if they see She-Ra coming and evacuate? And uh, Shadow Weaver says, hey, hey, what if you just killed her? Yeah, hey, what if you just killed Catra right now? You could just go and do it. Uh, she's basically defenseless. All her bots are gone. All her soldiers are gone. She's sitting in that room all by herself. You could just go kill her right now. And Glimmer is like, yeah, but I'd be using Adora as bait. But like, you know, and then Shadow Weaver's like, yeah, well, I don't know. It's up to you. You, you, you could not do it if you don't want to. But if you did, you'd probably win the war. I don't know. Your choice. It's very... <laughs> It's your choice. It's extremely not a choice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so Glimmer is like, okay, persuaded. I'm going to go kill Catra. So Glimmer goes out on a uh, little bit of a metal Metal Gear mission, and mm, I don't, I don't think it's that. See, Metal Gear, you don't really want to go loud because you you can't actually like fight very well in those games. Mm-hmm. No, this is more of a Metal Gear Rising situation where you just kind of walk in and start doing stuff. Because, yeah, she just shows up to this secret base uh, and just starts blasting lasers like there's no tomorrow. Oh, no, yeah. She rocks up to this place. And, like, the implication at first is, like, oh, is she going to sneak around? Because she's, like, hiding in a bush at first. She's like, okay, is she going to sneak through and try and, like 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 get Catra unaware oh no she she goes in literally guns blazing like these these she has these incredibly strong laser blasts now and to to put it into perspective we're not talking like oh we just knocked somebody out laser blast there is a point where she goes up to where Catra is on a catwalk and tries to shoot a laser at her and she gets tripped up this laser traces a melted metal um path across the ceiling and then explodes the entire ceiling yeah it seems as though the you know we we've seen her toss around sparkle balls and whatnot she has evolved uh past all of that these are death lasers these these are she is really just like going for it here this fight is pretty nasty so like you know, we get we get uh a a, well interestingly the catcher tries to whip glimmer she grabs the whip and does the exact same thing Shadow Weaver did back in uh, season three, where she just shocks Catra through the whip. So that's interesting. I don't know if that that probably doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm sure that that's no visual themes here. There's a point where Catra just chomps down on Glimmer well, when she tackles her. And, you know, obviously it goes without saying throughout this this whole fight, the sparks do fly. Literally, but also figuratively. Oh, no, yes. The sparks are flying both in the sense that they've put a spark effect uh, over the screen, kind of a Adobe After Effects situation here. Some some video co-pilot stuff. But also, there's a little bit of tension in this scene. Like, again, I... It's it's kind of a uh, oh what is that what is that one that one movie that everyone always posts that one image of of like the the girl who's like like the two the two girls who've clearly been fighting and like one of them is covered in blood and one has like a knife the movie that there's like there's like a movie that I always see people like post this image of I can't bring it to mind uh, maybe if I saw Jennifer's body maybe oh it, it probably is Jennifer's body this 
fight the the um the rival energies here like i don't know oh no yeah you, you cut that with a laser yes cut that with with a laser the 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 tension is is thick in the air um especially because like this isn't even just like we're having a fight tension this is i'm going to extremely kill you 100 percent, no question there's this there's this one bit where catch like immediately after the uh the whip thing um Catra's running away for her life as Glimmer just slowly follows her, fists bald and covered in energy. Like, what's wrong, Catra? Not afraid of a few sparkles, are ya? Yeah, she's really... Glimmer's bloodthirst has reared its head a few times, but, you know, she she really likes to get into it. Uh, but Catra has a plan. She unveils the, the upgraded version of their bot, which is just a it's just a big one it's just it's just the big boy version and it turns out this one could potentially destroy half of the whispering woods if it went off which seems bad um so catra kind of delivers this classic ultimatum like oh do you save your friends or do you catch me what do you choose and you know glimmer at first is like doing the classic like oh i'm so angry i can't like get you or whatever um (laughs) well you you well hang on you say that she starts walking towards katra she turns away from the robot that is that is true i think she was gonna i think she was gonna choose katra that is true that's a good point actually it does kind of it does kind of point in that direction that she was gonna actually go after katra because to because to be fair um where they are in the whispering woods is pretty isolated if that bomb went off it wouldn't necessarily kill anyone. Like, obviously, it damaged the woods, which isn't great, considering that's, like, the primary defense um, for Bright Moon. But, like, I think Glimmer definitely would actually be willing to uh, to make that sacrifice if it means uh, taking Catcher out one way or another here. Luckily for her, the choice gets removed because some some railings fall on Catra and trap her. So that frees up Glimmer to Iron Giant the Pulse Bot. Yes, but not before Glimmer uh, teleports over to Catra, gets right in her face, and is like, oh, it's nice that I don't have to make that choice now, isn't it? And she just like gives her a little wink uh-huh. and a smile before uh-huh. teleporting off, which is like, again, it's like, uh, the tension is there. The tension is there. I'd just like to remind everyone of her mental image of Catra back in the D&D episode. Yeah, she's... Just keep that in mind during this fight. That's all. Yeah, That's just, all. It's, it's, I'm sure Glimmer was keeping that in her mind as well in this situation, but... Uh... <laughs> so this is... So then after that, after she safely detonates the bot, she goes to help her squad. But uh, Double Trouble also arrives to help Catra out of this jam having heard that glimmer disappeared on a mission and so i was like oh, that doesn't seem good so they they show up at the base manage to get catcher out before the whole thing uh goes up and this is when we just see glimmer style on these bots yeah like so there's these uh it's like three to five or maybe more pulse bots all just like repeatedly exploding on uh one of natasa's net shields which i mean to her credit like she's withstanding quite a lot of hits here but she's not doing so hot and nobody really knows how they're gonna get out of this one because of course those bots are exploding like constantly they don't really have it out at this point uh but then glimmer shows up and just kills like most of them on her own and she's she's very cocky about the whole thing she's feeling pretty good about herself at the moment she is she's feeling great um less well no she's still feeling herself a lot even when her friends are kind of like well what is going on here because we see her telling Bo all about it but adora is really not looking happy no yeah so um after you know adora and and company get saved um from the bots and they all end up back at 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 base and Glimmer's telling them all about what uh, what happened at uh, Catra's secret secret hideout here. You know, Adora's not happy that she was used as bait, 
And, you know, Glimmer's like, oh, well, listen, the plan worked. Everything worked out for the best. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Listen. And now I'm learning from Shadow Weaver, and it's going to make me even more powerful, and it's going to be great. And Atorah's just like, you what? Whoa. Well, hang on. Just go back. What was that? Huh? <laughs> she, she's extremely the, the uh, you what fish right now. Yeah. You what? Yeah, she's and and Glimmer just kind of teleports away to go get some cake before Dora can can dig any further into that. But clearly, obviously, not very happy with that at all. No, yeah. So as as we said earlier, Adora is very very privy to the kind of stuff that Shadow Weaver likes to get up to. Glimmer is not. So then we see Catra and Double Trouble arriving at the Fright Zone. Um. This scene, I love this scene. It's great. It is a great scene. So, um, Double Trouble has one of the one of the skiffs. They end up back at the fright zone. They're they're dropping Catra off, and Catra takes a moment to kind of just thank them for for saving her because, like, I mean, she was not about to get out of that without their help. And you know, they're like, hey, you know. I live to serve for a price. Yeah, there's there is this moment where Katra attempts to she really makes herself vulnerable for a minute. She do, she does not talk to people like this uh, at all pretty much. Um thanking them this earnestly. Try she's obviously trying to make some kind of emotional connection with double trouble here um but clearly they are not interested in anything like that they are there this is a business relationship they're here to get paid and sow chaos and that is it that is it and katra is she doesn't really know how to feel that she got rebuffed in the way that she did she's like she's got this really like anxious and like unsure look on her face like she she hands them this little sack of money and she's like got this face where she's like looking away but her eyes keep darting back over and and then away again she's like she doesn't really know what to do she tried to emotionally connect to this person who she interpreted as trying to connect with her but that's really not what was happening. They were on really different wavelengths here, and she's feeling really awkward about it. She doesn't. She's she's kind of having a little bit of an embarrassment moment over it. She really misread the vibes that Double Trouble was putting out there. Extremely, extremely. Which we'll um we'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. Uh, but for now that wraps up, uh, the episode or actually, well, there's, there's an important bit. There's one more. So after that awkwardness, she kind of resets back into horde commander mode. Um, and she says, well, it's, it's weird. Glimmer showed up alone, which means that there might be some cracks in the friendships over there. Sure. would be a shame if there was someone over there to exploit that and dt just gets the biggest toothiest grin oh yes this is this is what they live for this is the high drama that they are here to do like you know espionage and writing down all these like troop movements and whatever like that's fine that's fine but this this is the juicy juicy character drama that they are here to play they're an actor they are not they this is where they shine yes this is where this is where their true love of the craft comes in um and it is on that note that we end the episode this this fun little juicy hook uh for next time uh which uh which hey it's it's gonna get it's definitely going to get very juicy very quickly oh yes this this whole uh their whole rest of this season basically is just a big juicy apple for us to dig right into there's so much yes it is but for now we've got a few curious cat questions that is right so uh i'll just start with the first one it's really easy to answer 
Uh, anonymous curious Catra user asks, was Glimmer going to kill Catra in this episode? Probably. Oh, yeah. Like, I think maybe she would have been able to restrain herself at, at some point, but she was shooting a lot of lasers. Oh, no, she was she was aiming to kill. Like, especially, especially the catwalk shot. She gets up on this catwalk where Catra is just doing her classic, like, like, oh, I'm being catty at you while we're having a fight shtick. And Glimmer teleports up there, knocks the girl on her ass, and charges up a massive two-handed energy blast that, again, this is the beam that when she gets tripped up, literally explodes the entire ceiling. Yeah, like, we see her shoot horde dudes with one-handed versions of these beams, and they get launched hard so like a two-handed version of that oh no yeah like that that specific shot especially was extremely a kill shot like that right there if that connected catra would just have a hole in her yeah this it would be it would be kind of a mess yeah it would be a little bit of a mess let's see how about we do this one next i'll save the longest one for last year another anonymous curious cat user asks do you think there's any connection between Shadow Weaver raising Adora and Catra and her gardening the magical plants? The line about her finding Daisy's delightful initially read as a joke, but it also shows that she has clear favoritism even in her garden. Huh. I... That's possible. I, I didn't really read it that way, but I could I could see where you would make that connection. I mean, the garden, as with Adora, is just a means to an end, right? For her own ambitions. So that she can do her magic while at Bright Moon. It's a tool, like everything else. And yet, there is also a personal connection there. Yeah, exactly. Like, there is, there, there is a couple of things in the garden that are, that are less utilitarian. So, yeah, it's... I could see that, right? Like, maybe the, the other bits of the garden, the more utilitarian parts, are like... Like, those, those are the plants that are getting pruned very heavily. Those are the ones that she's really, like, extremely tightly controlling. And that, you could see, is kind of like a metaphor for how she dealt with Catra versus the, the daisies, which are, like, kind of allowed to do their own thing and grow in their little part that she, like, keeps special just for them. You know, but they're they're still, of course, serving, a, like, they're still a means to an end. They're just given a little bit more breathing room. I don't know. I could I could see this being positioned as, like, a metaphor. I think I, I can see where you would make that connection. I mean, the garden is also obviously a visual metaphor for the way that Shadow Weaver prunes and, and maintains these connections to people, and, and she meticulously keeps everything the way she wants it exactly exactly she is kind of she's trying to be a gardener for all of the people in her life just as much as she is for for these plants so so yeah yeah no there's definitely a lot of metaphor going on here so this next one is from curious cat user nixconia and it's kind of a long one so the first the first one is, is a little bit less long so uh number one who do you think gives off the biggest they-them energy out of the entire Shira cast? Double Drubble obviously being exempt to this. Hmm. So I, I was I was thinking about this ever since I read it uh, this week. I was like, well, that, that is an interesting question. Who is it? My first thought was Mermista. Yeah, yeah. I was actually gonna say like Mermista gives gives off like some like they they she territory for me like a little like some they she vibes who else uh hmm. let's run let's 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 run through them i guess let's see we'll 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 hold the 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 uh the sort of rod and uh, up and see if it squeaks adora no no i don't think so i don't think bow and glimmer either no no not blow bow or glimmer perfuma no no i think perfume is definitely she her frosta frosta it's hard to say she's i feel like she hasn't really thought about that kind of stuff at this point maybe someday we'll see seahawk seahawk is interesting so so mermista i think definitely like 
they-she vibes. I could see Seahawk having some, like, he-they stuff going on. For sure. Uh, Swiftwind. No. No. Light Hope. Uh, maybe? You know, actually, yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense, actually, for Light Hope. I think Light Hope might be they, them. Catra. No. Scorpio. No. No. Entrapta. Okay, now that's that's a really good question. I, I could go either way on that one. I think... I don't know that I have a concrete opinion. I could go either way. I think there's something there. There definitely could be something there. I think it's everyone of note. Unless we, we want to get really granular, but I don't know if we need to. Yeah. That's all of the main princesses and supporting cast. Yeah, I think I think that's 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 the thing. So I guess... I guess the, the, the results here uh, at uh, Pot of Power HQ is um, Mermista, They, She, Seahawk, He, They, Entrapta, may, maybe They, Them? Yeah, yeah we're, uh, uh, you know, the experts have spoken. Now for the big one. Um, although maybe we should. They say we might want to save this for the end of season episode. I think I might, because this one gets into... A lot of future stuff regarding Double Trouble and Catra. That's true. Okay, so we'll 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 save we'll save this one. We're gonna tuck this one away in the folder, and uh, we'll we'll make sure to to pull that one out once we hit that end of season episode, which is not actually super far away. And we're still we're still in the first half of the season. You know, these seasons aren't like super long. Yeah, that's true. And you know, we'll, we'll be doing Destiny parts 1 and 2 obviously in a single episode because uh, it is a two-parter. Oh, of course, naturally. That's that's going to be quite an episode, let me tell you. Yeah, it's going to be a long one. But uh, we got one more question here, but that's going to be after the break here in the spoiler zone. But before we go over to that, uh, we got a Patreon. We do. If you head on over to patreon.com slash pot of power, you will find all kinds of fun content. Uh, if you subscribe to the $3 Force Captain uh, level, and one of those things actually is you get uh, shoutouts in every episode, including our two new patrons this month. Yes, that's right. This week, I believe, joined... Uh over the past two weeks so thank you a very special thank you this episode to ashley and kyra williams yes thank you very much and as for the the rest of them that's right uh the other our other generous force captains mabel mabel ryan coon jennifer jones jess pumphrey leon lay sean montgomery jack onuro olivia andres lozano Brittany ray michael steinert tara stark TCO, Vernon Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, and Danielle DuPont. Thank you very much to everyone for your continued support. It means the world to us. And, you know, you don't just throw money at the void if out of the kindness of your hearts. No, we've got content. We have content. So if you uh, do subscribe for $3, you will get the Kipo and Owl casts, both of which are uh, sort of sideshow watch casts of Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts and the Owl House, respectively. Uh, so that's that's fun. We're actually putting up a Kipo episode uh, next week, if I remember correctly. That's right. Next week, we're going to start season two. We just finished season one of Kipo. Really liking that one. The Owl House, I think we're about a little under halfway through or a little over halfway through uh, the episodes are out right now. It's on hiatus. I don't know when it's coming back. It'd be really nice if it comes back right as we catch up because the uh, I think a bi-weekly release will, will line up well. We've also, uh, this I believe releasing tomorrow, we've got She-Riffs where we make jokes over old retro Shira episodes. Yes, we do. It's going to be uh, pretty good. Um, I'm not sure that we have uh, decided as of the recording which episode we're doing for She Riffs, but we're we're gonna pick a uh, pretty nice one for everybody to uh, to kind of dig into. So that'll be fun. And of course, the first episode of that is free uh, on the Patreon, the Human and Shira Christmas special. It's a blast. 
That thing is insane. It's incredible. So yeah, if you haven't checked that out, uh, go go take a listen. Even if you don't want to, you know, subscribe to the Patreon or nothing, you can still uh, take a listen to that, and it's pretty fun. But that's not all. We also have a video podcast, monthly video podcast called The Watchtower, where we uh, just kind of collect all of the fan work, uh, fanfics, fan art, AMVs, all that kind of thing, and just uh, show it off and discuss it and, and send up some of our, our the very talented artists out there. What is, what is the theme for this month's Watchtower, Jane? Uh, the theme, if I remember correctly, is uh, Glitra content. No, actually, it's the theme for this month is Glimadora. That's right, Glimadora. That's one of the one of the glimmer glimmer things. Listen, I got I got Glitra on the brain after today's episode. No, this month's next month is going to be gl- uh, Glitra, and uh, that that lines up pretty well with uh, with some events, I believe, in the release schedule. Ooh, very true. Very, very true. So yes, if you have Glimadora content, feel free to send that in to us via email, add us on Twitter, you know the you know the deal. Um, we also we have one more stretch goal actually that still hasn't been met yet, and that is for the uh, for the honor tabletop game. Uh, we we would be doing a uh, one shot. It's a Shira themed hack of a system called Firebrands. It seems like it'd be pretty fun. So yeah, if you if you want to catch that kind of stuff, we need uh, just a little bit more uh, coming in on on Patreon. But we would be happy to to do that. We're we're a third, uh, two thirds of the way there. We just need once we hit that. Yeah, we uh, it, it's a lot of fun. I've had the privilege of playing it in the past. It it really has a great vibe, and of course, I love uh, I love this, me some TTRPGs. But uh, with that, I think that's all we have on offer at the moment. Oh, now we've almost forgot plugs. Uh, where to find us? Um, got our Twitter podcast of power for all of your your needs. We got our curious cat link there. We got a Patreon link there. Patreon dot com slash pod of power. As mentioned, uh, we have an email that would be podapower at gmail.com. We do an email roundup episode at the end of every season where we just kind of sit down and discuss all of, all of your, all of your uh, big questions. Uh, those have been lots of fun to do. Yes, yes, they have. Uh, but yes, with, uh, with that, uh, that will actually do it for us on this side of the, uh, the spoiler gate. So if, uh, if you're heading out, then have a nice day. But if you're sticking around, we'll see you on the other side. off with this uh fun curious catra question that we got that's right anonymous curious catra user asks i feel like catra uses dt as a kind of rebound relationship for medora and scorpia leaving what do you think catra's feelings towards dt are that is an excellent question and that, that leads in really well to what our actual spoiler zone discussion topic is. Because the thing about DT is that they come in at a very interesting time for Katra. She has basically uh, relinquished all of her emotional connections to people in her life. You know, she's obviously completely taken out okay taking a door out of her life at this point shadow weaver is gone uh and then of course she sent entrapta off to die and has basically completely rebuffed scorpia so she basically doesn't have anyone left even even the cadets even the cadets she trained with as a kid her childhood friends she is 
just grinding into the dirt. Just others, just more soldiers. Just more soldiers, more cannon fodder to throw onto the fire. So she really doesn't have anyone right now. And she's trying to play it off like this is what she wants. And she probably believes that that's what she wants. You know, she's thinking, I'm I'm all business right now. I'm here to win a war. You know, I don't have time for these childish endeavors and whatnot. This is, you know, I've got more important things to worry about. But the the thing is, Katra is very, very bad at kind of understanding her own emotional state. And she's in a bad way of things. Very, very bad. So the only kind of relationships she still has right now that are in any sort of workable condition here, one of them is Hordak. And that's stretching the definition of workable there. <laughs> a little bit. It's all predicated on a lie, first of all. Mm-hmm. Which is a great foundation for any relationship. It's great. And, you know, they, they are... They, ex- they, they kind of get along, but not really. Like, they, can, they get along more as the season goes on. And then, of course, at a certain point, they stop getting along. Um, I wonder when that could be. But... Double Trouble is a bit of a different one. So Double Trouble, obviously, they are very personable, very charming. That just kind of comes with the territory of what they do. They love the theatrics of things, and they they seem to really like amusing people and, and, and making people laugh or clap. They live for the applause. They live for the applause. The Catra, you know, kind of desperately more than anything else in the entire world needs a friend oh yes like the the she is adrift right now completely alone sort of spiraling down this drain and she needs someone to pull her up that person is not double trouble no at all that is not the kind of person double trouble is double trouble is we i've discussed before double trouble is who katra thinks she is self-sufficient ruthless very smart doesn't need any friends this is untrue it's very untrue and and that really does hit the nail on the head it is like double trouble is a is a reflection of what katra thinks she is and should aspire to be and you know of course double trouble being sort of the mirror being held up to katra is you know, again, fairly heavy-handed visual symbolism here, but uh, it gets the job done. And that's the thing, is she's trying very hard to both connect with this image that she has created for herself, but also with someone who is being nice, who's being friendly to her, who wants to joke around, who wants to have fun. You know, she's, they're making fun of Catra's ex together, you know, they're, you know they're uh, they're helping her out of you know a, a jam when she when she's getting when her life is at risk. You know they saved her, you know, and she and she's like, oh wow, you know they really care. They must really like me. And it's like, well, no, you're their boss. You pay them their salary. Of course they're gonna save you as long as you're paying their salary. And you know you kind of have like a co-workers relationship you know you joke around with your co-workers you might have a fun time while you're you know you're you're in the office or whatever but it doesn't mean that like you're best friends with these people you're just you know you're 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 having a cordial time but when you go to work you, your work life and your and your personal life uh, are usually pretty separate Double Trouble definitely has a sort of generally flirty way of going about the world. That's for sure. Um, they're having fun all the time. Very A very sort of camp affect. Catra kind of uh, misinterprets this, as we talked about in the main episode. Does she have kind of a crush? Maybe. Uh, maybe. It's possible. I'm, I'm not even... Her emotional state um, is... Just a series of smoking, smoldering craters at the moment. Yeah, no, I think... Ex- so, like, the, the thing is, I 100% agree. Like, to get back to the actual core question here of if DT is a rebound relationship, 
um, or at least if catcher is trying to use them as a rebound relationship, I think the answer to that is yes, but not as a romantic rebound. I think this is a friendship rebound. She has either been rebuffed or has personally burned every bridge uh, that she can possibly get her hands on. So now she feels like a hand is being extended to her by someone she hasn't burned the bridges of and has really no history with. So she is trying to fill the void left by all of the people that she drove away. So yeah, to I 100% think that that's a rebound. Now as to whether or not there's any sort of romantic lean to it, I personally would say no. Um, and I would, I would say no for a lot of reasons, but I think generally speaking, that's not the direction that I see this pointing towards. Yeah, the, the reminder, the crushing reminder of these sort of tenets of their relationship comes at the end of this episode where, oh yeah, all of this is built on cold hard coin. Like, that's it. Yes. Double Trouble lives to serve for a price yes cash is king baby and uh, no one known as that truer for in this show than our good friend dt and uh you know katra's placement of her emotional state in the hands of dt even after this scene like the thing that you have to remember is that after this moment she is still putting all of her eggs in this basket like she's trying to like pretend it didn't happen the way that it did because she still doesn't have anyone else as she is wont to do she loves to pretend that things didn't happen the way they did oh no yeah she she sometimes really lives in her own little world i think and this is this is a prime example of that and it really there's a reason why uh, DT's speech completely shreds her to pieces. And one of the biggest reasons that is, is because until that point, despite how obvious it is that they are not actually friends, she convinces herself that they are. And when this happens, she really gets that final stake through the heart that really that that final dagger that like just drives the point home that she has burned every bridge there is nothing left she has nobody anywhere who's going to put up with her for a second not even not even hordak at this point nobody wants to have anything to do with her yeah let's let a light recap of all the things that lead up to that conversation with double trouble Scorpia has left. Her, the cadets have left. Adora seems to hate her. Hordak is trying, has just tried to kill her. Entrap- she sent Entrapta to die. And here is the last person she had any like hopes of forming any bond with. Completely and utterly verbally eviscerating her. Like just reading her for filth. Like lays it all out in front of her. And who shows up after that? Who? What other character is on on some other kind of uh, self-destructive, bridge-burning like parade here? Oh, well, that would be Glimmer, wouldn't it? Uh, might be. Just a little bit. Who's to say? Well, we'll, we'll talk all about that dynamic as it develops. Uh, oh that's, yes, that's also very interesting. That the the last that whole uh, segment of destiny in the fright zone is just chock full of stuff i was like hmm hmm i see interesting yes no that's that is that is going to be an episode uh where we really dig into quite a lot of that stuff we we kind of deliberately didn't touch like super heavy on like that exact uh conversation that ends up getting had in that episode where you know catra of course gets obliterated because um, we want to really save a lot of that discussion for then, but uh, but yeah, we there are things we don't talk about or try not to in the spoiler zone. Despite the fact that everyone here knows what happens, there are things we want to save the discussion for for when they happen. That speech, save the cat, heart part two. We can't talk about any of those in great detail. 
Yes, it's it's. Listen, when we when we get there, there because they're they're topics we really want to dedicate a long, long time to just kind of teasing apart and just really, really getting granular with it. So so that's that's something to look forward to. But uh, but yeah, with, with as far as DT and Catcher are concerned, they are they are really interesting foils. Catra, just we like I always say, this season is just full of foils for Catra. Like Adora, really doesn't really have that many foils in this season. No, no interactions with Catra. She kind of start really starts drifting apart with Glimmer. Yeah, it's like really Glimmer and Catra are the main focuses of the season, and they both get all of the foils. And it's uh, it's it's pretty good, honestly. Like I think it's a really interesting idea to shift the focus in such a way where you have like the two queens kind of facing off against each other and you know like i don't know like it's it's just an interesting concept like it's a cool like perspective shift in a way that just really works for me yeah they the we have spent so much time on catcher and adora for obvious reasons but the fourth season and the first part of the fifth season is really about catcher and glimmer and the ways that they are similar and the ways that they are different and the ways that the the they sort of rub against one another and like the with the friction that results exactly and boy howdy is there quite a lot of friction you could start a fire with how much friction there is uh but we will be getting to that as the season goes on uh for now though i think that about wraps it up for uh for this episode here you're correct so until next week for season four, episode five. Uh, when is that one called again? I remember. Oh, it's called Protocol. That's a boy. That's an episode. I hope you like bottle episodes because you got two for the price of one. But until then, I have been one of your hosts, Nero. And I've been the other host, Jane. And we'll see you on the other side of Podcast Spondos.